Hello and welcome to How to Start Up, a podcast for anyone starting a company. This is a collection of conversations with people who have all successfully started, run and even sold their own companies, sharing not only professional but personal experiences on what we should be doing now, next or never. Hosted by me, Juliet Fallowfield, founder of PR consultancy for startups Fallowfield and Mason. We're joined today by two entrepreneurs in the hospitality space, Duncan Sterling and Charlie Jilks, who founded Inception Group back in 2009. The company operates a group of unique bar, restaurant and club concepts in southwest and central London. And as a long-standing fan of Maggie's, as who doesn't love the 80s soundtracks, I was really interested to learn how they quickly built a multi-brand business, but also how they weathered the unforeseen pandemic that could potentially have wiped out 12 years of their hard work. The good news is they're continuing to grow, Maggie's is still as popular as ever, and they are both adamant that now is as good a time as any to start up. Hi, Charlie and Duncan. Thank you so much for joining How to Start Up today. It would be great if you could just briefly introduce yourselves and your company that you started. Hi, I'm Charlie Jokes, co-founder of Inception Group. We are a collection of innovative bars and restaurants and based in London with a mission statement to create unique and memorable experiences. And I am Duncan Sterling, the other co-founder of Inception Group. And when did you start the company and why? We founded the company in February of 2009, um, which arguably was a terrible time to open a bar business because it was soon after the Great Recession and BlackRock, etc. But we saw a real opportunity to create different sort of places. And we opened London's first speakeasy, Barts, back then and really saw that there were a lack of places which had a lot of imagination, creativity and a real focus on experience. So once you decided you wanted to go into business together, what was it you did first when starting your company? For me, it was going to company's house and just registering the company and assuming that the rest would come. But I'm really interested to find out what it was that you guys did first. I do remember actually that would, that job was given to me and I'm not very good at uh, sort of admin. And, and I think we've always used our accountants to, to register companies uh, since. But yeah, I did spend a long time filling out a form. I think, Duncan, you went and opened the bank account and then we, we signed a lease and we, we signed a, a short lease initially because we had to personally guarantee it, which in hindsight was a very brave, if not very stupid thing to do. It meant that if the business hadn't worked, we'd been personally liable for the rent for the duration of the lease. And before you even got to that stage, had you guys just sat down and had an idea together that you just thought, right, we want to do this together? We'd been in business together and doing club promotion. And we'd also done a management contract for a nightclub in the basement of a hotel, but we hadn't actually owned our, we had a, had a lease in our name and had our own place. And I think we would always wanted to do that. And Duncan had a, had a guy who, who was, was sort of always trying to sell him something, whether it was a painting, a kind of a, a, <laughs> yeah, a painting. And he, he approached him about this old residence bar. And serendipitously, I'd um, been to New York um, kind of around that time. And Duncan and I had spoken about this idea that I'd seen out there as a bar called Please Don't Tell, which was a speakeasy. And actually came up with the idea and thought, actually, there isn't anything like this in London. And we could create something really interesting in the space that Duncan had been contacted about. And so how many years now have you been running Inception Group together? So Inception Group will have been 12 years, you know, well, 12 years this past February. Um, we celebrated our anniversary um, in lockdown. Oh, goodness. Um, but it, it, it feels like there's been that kind of lost year, doesn't it, of, of, yeah. of 2020 really? Everyone's got sort of jet lag. They're still talking about March 2021 as next <laughs> March, not this March. Yeah, exactly. I think it, it, feel, it feels like we've been going for 12 years, but really only 11. 
And how many sites do you have now? 12 sites now. So we've averaged one site a year and another couple to join next year, hopefully. A lot of guests talk about the weight of responsibility on their shoulders when starting and running a company. Given that you guys have done this together, is there any advice you'd offer new founders when going into a partnership? I think the initial leap of faith is the hardest thing. Deciding that you're going to go it alone, that's the most daunting aspect. Um, And in my situation, personally, I had a day job which I was trying to manage during the day. And then on the side, Charlie and I were trying to set up a business. And at some point I had to sort of say to myself, okay, our company is getting you know quite serious now and it's all time consuming and it's time to take that leap of faith. And you know, you're walking away from a salary and a steady income and a job or career path. But I would say looking back now, it's what I call short-term pain for long-term gain. The first sort of six to 18 months are tough. But if you write it out, you know, you won't look back and you'll, you know, it'd be the best thing you've ever done. Oh, this is so exciting because next month's my 19th month. So brilliant. Okay. <laughs> Did I say 18, 16 to 24 months? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. Was there anyone you listened to for advice right at the beginning? Were you just each other's sort of mentors? I think, I think from my side, the one thing I would say about this 12 year journey, which I've really appreciated is having a business partner. I can't imagine having done the last 12 years without Charlie. Um, I think it would have been incredibly tough to have had some of the moments and gone through some of the challenges without having kind of best matrix business partner that you can call anytime, day or night, uh, chew the fat. And, you know, Charlie and I often on WhatsApp at midnight uh, talking about the business and what we've got to do. I think the relationship you then get with employees over the years can be great, but no one's ever as into the business as you are as, as, as a fellow shareholder or founder. And we should say that we're recording the 1st of November in 2021. Yep, that's the right year. So you guys in hospitality have obviously had a really, really tough two years. Are you feeling like you're coming out of the woods or is it still really difficult right now? I think lots of headwinds. And, you know, I think from April, we could kind of see light at the end of the tunnel that wasn't an oncoming train for the first time. Um, But yeah, look, I think you never in a million years in your SWOT analysis, looking at strengths, weaknesses and threats, um, imagine a, or forecast for a pandemic. Um, you know, I think in our worst analysis, you know, you might lose a license or there might be an incident that one venue has to temporarily close, which would be really challenging, or there'd be a downturn in the economy, but that happens relatively slowly and you can kind of, you know, make some, some decisions, uh, you know, accordingly. But to have all your revenue cut off overnight, you know, is incredibly difficult. And really for us, it was about trying to stay alive, you know, not let 11 then years of hard work uh, go to waste. I think we are feeling much better. There's a lot of demand for our venues at the moment. I think people are really doubling down on an experience and wanting to do something slightly different rather than going to the, the standard places. But yeah, there's, you know, lots of lots of challenges from recruitment to our supply chain. So it's it's a bumpy ride. But I think for a lot of us in the sector, you know, what we need to now do is deliver a really strong Christmas, you know, that's going to be key. As long as there's no work from home directive, which would obviously be catastrophic for a London based hospitality firm. I've seen you quoted in the press quite a lot leading the charge and really being a big advocate for the sector. Given that you have just come through a pandemic, and I'm sure there's nothing you could have planned for it, but is there anything you have learned from it that you can now apply in everyday business? I think probably I've learned what a balance sheet is um, <laughs> and ensuring that that is in, in fine health. And I think. Probably, you know, we will always want to have money put away for a rainy day or more money put away for a rainy day just to be ready 
for another eventuality and mm. I really hope it is in the pandemic or anything else yeah I mean someone said to me once that businesses don't fail because it's a bad idea they fail because they haven't got any cash flow so is your advice for starting a company is keep as much money in business as possible I think I think the cash flow point is a very very good point I think the one thing I learned in business studies at school I didn't I literally didn't learn anything else in business studies but the one thing that was drilled in really hard and it just stuck with me always was cash and profit not the same thing and you hear that kind of expression um you know turnovers vanity profit sanity and then cash is king you know that was incredibly true for us you know at the start of our business you know Charlie and I barely looked at a PL for the first six months it was just all about cash and cash flow and we were quite a cash generative business when you're business to consumer like we are we were very fortunate that we were able to get cash in the bank sort of three or four days after the, the transaction or the revenue was taken in my prior life when we were a sort of startup pr company we were sort of invoicing clients and sometimes weren't getting paid for 60 90 days and there was a lot of practice at managing cash flow from those days and i think like charlie said when we got completely cut off at the knees in the pandemic with 12 sites being forced closed overnight thankfully we had a chunk of change in the bank there was about to be a big direct debit going out for all of our rent that was due to landlords. And had that gone out, that would have gone out on the 25th of March, 2020. And I think Boris stood up and spoke on the, the 20th and shut us all down or told people not to go to pubs. And I think if we had paid the landlords, then the, the pandemic would have been a lot worse for us at that moment because we would have had a lot less cash. I think, yeah, that's something people don't talk about a lot is actually the, the exact timing and when it did happen because it's mm. you, know, you always go through a bit of a cash pinch point you know the start at the end of a quarter start of a new one because you know as, as Duncan said you, you know you pay you well in the old world we all paid our landlords quarterly in advance ditto your HMRC dues from you know VAT etc etc sort of all all went out then so thankfully you know we were given a bit of warning to be able to have to stop all payments you know for us the only real priority was that our staff um, you know, got paid and our and some of our small suppliers. Um, but we had to tell the landlords and the bigger companies that, you know, we just simply couldn't pay them right then and to rush to get liquidity. But I think, yeah, you know, that there is that that old phrase, you know, that turnovers, vanity, profit, sanity, and cash is king. That certainly rang true in the last 18 months. But I think actually we were always quite conscious on the profit sanity thing because you know we we started literally our first bar barts is the size of a squash court and still has a relatively low turnover but we were very focused on on the bottom line from day one um, and you get a lot of people who who boast about these huge you know turnover businesses and actually lose sight of their bottom line so i think that was fairly crucial and i actually think it really benefited us starting small um, you know i meet people who are wanting to set up their first hospitality endeavor and they're looking at a sort of seven to 10,000 square foot, three, four floor premises. And I always think, you know, it took us probably about 10 years to feel brave enough and ready to take on something of that scale. I just remember from my work, working in walkabout days in Exeter, the bigger the venue, the just the magnitude of everything, the more staff, the more training, the more people, the more crisis, the more glasses being dropped, everything. So I, I took a similar approach with my company. I only wanted one client for the first six months to test and break everything. And I think that's someone said to just grow slow and at the beginning especially when you've got so much to learn it's uh it's definitely helped what would you say is the most surprising thing that you've learned about yourselves when becoming your own bosses probably slightly different to Duncan the fact that he worked for people for many years I've only ever had you know 10 days of paid employment I think there's no better way of learning than having to just be st stuck in the deep end and having to 
to figure it out and do it. The practical learning you can do is probably far more beneficial than theoretical learning in a classroom. I think Charlie's situation is is quite unique. And I'm definitely a big advocate for people getting out there and working for other people for a period of time. Even if you know you're destined to be an entrepreneur and to do your own thing one day, I think you can do so much learning uh, as much about how to do things and what to do, as well as what not to do. You know, things that you've seen that you think, oh, I'm not sure my management style would be like that if I was running my own company, mm. you know, so you, you, you learn the good and the bad and the ugly, and you can kind of make your own path when you do have your own company and decide what type of leader and what type of business you want to, to build. And on the what not to do, either from past employment or present, and you don't have to declare which, are there some tips and tricks you give for founders to what not to do in starting a company? <laughs> what not to do. It's all your secrets. <laughs> I think, well, I think don't try and you know, run before you can walk. You know, I always think, you know, certainly if you're wanting to get into hospitality now with the sort of social media being as it is, a great way is, is to do a pop-up or to do, um, a, you know, go into street food and have a street food van and you can get your following and build your brand that way. I think it's, you know, it, it's it's so much easier if you have a brand, have a name, have a following, which you don't have to have by having a you know, a long lease on a premises. And I think if you can do that, then you can really translate that to something. But I think, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it's also, you know, going into a business is, re- is really important to, to know what you're good at, but also to be very aware of what you're not good at and try and employ people and surround yourself with people who aren't good at the things that you are rather than what can be tempting and surround yourself with lots of people who, who are good at the things you're, you are also. Yeah, I, I would say as well, don't, don't be a busy fool. Like I've, I've been around a lot of people that have set up companies and new startups and they spend so much time on things that I wouldn't necessarily consider to be that important in the early stages of a business. They, the most important thing from day one is, have I got a client or have I got some money coming in? Uh, have I even got a bank account? Yeah, that's that's yeah. because you've got someone that's got a check. We've had that before. And we're like, oh, we can't actually bank that yet because we haven't opened the bank account. <laughs> Um, you know, and you desperately need that money to, to go and pay your employees or your first, you know, your first person on the payroll. And given that you have 12 properties with multiple brands underneath the Inception Group. So for me on the outside, I know Maggie's, I know Bunga Bunga. I took a few years to join the dots that they were one and the same company. How did you manage to build that word of mouth and get your views out there? We, we, we often deliberate about whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, you know, for, for the consumer to know the correlation. And, you know, it's certainly Inception Group has some recognition, but I think most people won't have heard of Inception Group, but they might have heard of some of our brands. I think we've, we've, we've built a bit of profile for, for the business through, you know, in the sector, through, um, you know, a few industry awards we've we've been lucky to win, and um, through some sort of some media and, and press. But I, to be honest with you, the focus has always been the consumer facing brands, actually, rather than you know the biz the business that behind it. Um, you know, that's that that's key that they are absolutely front and center because mm, they do stand on their own two feet, and that's what I, I find quite interesting about what you've managed to achieve in quite a short period of time is to build up these individual brands and. I think it's, yeah, a lot of it's been through press um, and PR. I, I think, you know, social media has become increasingly important. And, you know, we've got a whole team, a fantastic group, you know, put us on the digital map. I think more and more we we find things through the Google map, not through, you know, walking down the street. 
you know, Uber's connect to the city in a way it wasn't it wasn't before. But it was interesting because Bart started in 2009 and it was before Instagram and Facebook was just had started taking off. But it was just as Twitter was launching. And actually, was this whole buzz about, you know, we never gave the address away to Bart. So it was a sort of mysterious secret bar and people were, were tweeting various clues. And there was that kind of intrigue and fun through Twitter. You know, Twitter was a complete revelation to people. But I think we've really had to build strong standout destination concepts. So, you know, the first four sites we opened, Bart's hidden in a residential block, Maggie's down a sleepy end of, of the Fulham Road, Bunga Bunga was a, a pub really in a, a transport black hole uh, in Battersea and Mr. Fogg's down a sort of pretty dingy alleyway hidden behind uh, office blocks in Mayfair. All four, you know, had no passing trade, but we had to create you know, really interesting concepts. And, you know, obviously, I think the fact we named a 1980s nightclub after Maggie Thatcher and the fact that <laughs> we um, we set up this slightly tongue-in-cheek pizzeria with live entertainment named after um, Silvio Berlusconi's Italian parties it was enough to grab that initial press headline, which helped uh, get those initial visitors in. We've always said you can get, you can always get someone into a door once, um, but actually... You've got to ensure you give them a great experience so that they want to come back time and time again. And, you know, we often got asked at the beginning, aren't your concepts a bit faddy? But, you know, I think the fact that Bart's 12 years on is, is still going brilliantly, as is Maggie's 11 years on and Bunga Bunga 10 years on. Are, are there any holes in the road that you'd like to flag to new founders? So it could be anything. It could be like get a good night's sleep <laughs> or eat well. <laughs> Yeah, definitely advise get some good sleep um, for those early days of, of building a new business if you can. Yeah, just just be prepared for ups and downs and, and don't over plan. I think the more you plan something, the more will go wrong and the more you'll end up disappointed and frustrated. You've just got to go into the process with a very open mind. You know, yes, planning is, is important to some degree, but I think it was Warren Buffett that said, you know, beware of the forecast, especially the more detailed the forecast, be more aware. Because at the end of the day, they're just a forecast or it's just a plan. And life always throws curveballs at you, especially in business. And it doesn't always go the way you expect it to go. I think it's also important to enjoy it and, and make sure you're having fun. Because, you know, we spend so much of our life working, especially if you're a founder. And it's really, really, impo- really important you you enjoy the process. I see people with, with businesses that are always trying to raise money and over-raise and this valuation and that valuation. But a bit more thinking about being sustainable and building in a gradual way that makes sense you know we didn't take any bank debt for the first seven years we just each business founded the next and it was a really really good way and sustainable way of of building a business so you know we weren't able to do the next one until the one before had been profitable because that's what's funded it rather than us taking loads of investment and open seven in the space of a couple of years i think that may not have worked as well so i think people are sometimes in a bit too much of a race um whereas actually take it slowly and a bit more methodically and i think you can build a better business with better foundations well on that i had two last questions for you um what is it you enjoy the most about being self-employed well what's that um that saying isn't it it's it's salary is the bribe they give you to forget about your dreams when you break out and work for yourself you're you're effectively realizing your dream your ambition it's you know something you've always wanted to do some people it's a hobby that becomes a career yeah, I think you've just got to keep it front and centre. That The reason you've chosen to work for yourself is because you like the autonomy that that gives you, the freedom that gives you, but there is also a weight of responsibility and some risk. The whole thing needs to be enjoyed as one enterprise. There were certainly times during the pandemic I sort of 
wish I'd followed my father into becoming a doctor. Those are only the, the few moments of that I've questioned my decision. You know, I think I, I wouldn't I wouldn't replace it any other day of the week. <laughs> and there's there's no better time to start a business than right now. You know, it's all, always right now. I mean, that's the answer always. But especially right now, just coming out of a pandemic, there are so many fantastic opportunities. I think when the when the nation has been through a heavy recession or a massive crisis, there are always massive opportunities. And you yourself, Juliet, were t- telling me before we came on that you know you started your own business. Um, through being made redundant and and there, there will be a whole host of people that have done the same and I think in a decade's time you'll be hearing about these spectacular businesses that were built out of this period um, I think Air, Airbnb is probably the most famous one that was built out of the 0809 yeah. recession you know and 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 there will be stories in time about people who are looking back saying oh you know we got made redundant from our jobs or we decided to have a change when we got put on furlough back in the covid crisis which will all seem like a distant thing in the past and and suddenly there's these amazing businesses that have been born so you know never a better time than right now to start a business and especially right now <laughs> i definitely think good can come out of bad i think the two um chinese symbols for um for, for crisis are danger and opportunity and you know you've got to try and look at both try and see opportunity in these situations and there were certainly plenty of entrepreneurs who really doubled down and you know were very brave and they will be you know rewarded handsomely for, for taking those risks it did break my heart when we all went into the pandemic and lockdown because I was starting with nothing to lose. I mean, I'd already lost my job and my job had been removed for me. So I was coming off a low base, but so many friends and predominantly season one of the podcast was friends who'd been in their own businesses for 10, 15 years. And it could have brought so many to their knees, but that entrepreneurial spirit just shone through and they had I hate this word, it's very overused, but pivoted once. And so they just learned to pivot again. I'm just very pleased to hear that Inception Group is going from strength to strength in 2021. (laughs) I think, you know, you you had to come out fighting and I think there was an initial shock. And then I think we realised, okay, well, we can't deal with a pandemic. The pandemic is out of our control. But we have just got to deal with all the things within our control and deal with them as best as we can. You couldn't be complacent and you couldn't sit back and probably um, work the hardest we've ever worked. And on that, given the amount of people that you'd have to have mentor and seeding through this as business leaders, all of your teams would look to you for direction. Is there any advice you give new founders on who to bring into your businesses to support you? This is a great question and, and absolutely fundamental to any startup. You're going to be spending more time with your colleagues in the early part of a startup business than you were with your family, friends, your partners, whoever. You've got to make sure you're you're on a par with these people. You get on great with these people. You can spend time with these people. Take time hiring. Hire slow, fire quick, um, and just go with your gut instinct, I think. Um, you, you can't go too far wrong. Something we always say internally is, are they an inceptionite? We ultimately you know, do really recruit for attitude. We always say you can you can teach someone how to carry a tray or you know how to to, to make a cocktail, but you, you you can't train in having the right attitude. And you know hospitality is a way that you make people feel. Service is a transaction. Service you can get from a vending machine. And for us to be able to deliver hospitality, we need those people who are personable, friendly, outgoing. And I think as a consumer, you will forgive the wrong drink being served, but you won't forgive someone being rude. Is there any last golden nugget piece of advice you'd like to offer a new founder? It's really important to to know who your customers are going to be. And I think increasingly, you know, when Duncan and I have got it right with concepts is, is when we think of ourselves at the time as the customer. 
and see it through our own eyes. Is this somewhere we would go and would we enjoy it? Sadly, um, I think both of us with, with, with families with small children now, we're our days of going to Maggie's are, 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 are slightly numbered. But, <laughs> but, but, but actually, you know, we wanted to create something really fun. But all the clubs were saying, playing the same old music. They were taking themselves too seriously. And we just love that kind of 80s soundtrack. Just a really fun, happy place for escapism rather than all the clubs, which we felt were trying to be a bit too cool for school. And just knowing who your customer is and being really clear on that and seeing things through your own eyes as a customer is something that can really help you stay on point. And this is a conversation for another day, but I've just turned 40 and I'm still trying to justify that I'm not too old for Maggie's because it's that much of an institution amongst You're my definitely friends. not. You're definitely not. <laughs> well, just to say a massive thank you for your time today. It's been wonderful chatting to you and congratulations on not only starting the Inception Group, but surviving the pandemic and the new sites that are coming. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Julia. If you'd like to contact Duncan and Charlie, you'll find all of their details in the show notes along with a recap of the advice they have so kindly shared. Thank you for listening to How to Start Up. I hope these conversations offer you some confidence, encouragement and reassurance that you're on the right track. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd be so appreciative if you were to rate, review and subscribe as it will really help other people starting a company discover it.